to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Architecting. I'm really excited today to have on my good friend and collaboration partner, Megan Mazzocco. Megan and I collaborate each week for the Clubhouse Room, Architects as Healers, Buildings as Medicine, where we take a look at the way that design impacts well-being. This week, we are both in Miami. We have taken Architects as Healers, Buildings as Medicine on the road to the Smart Cities Conference, where we are going to focus on Megan's area of expertise, sleep. Today, you're going to get to hear Megan's whole story, how she went from being a journalist in the architecture and design industry to being an advocate for well-being after going through her own struggle with Lyme disease and having to do her own research to understand what was wrong with her and how to use sleep, yoga, nutrition, and other well-being techniques to restore her health. Since then, she's become a tireless advocate for the importance of self-care. We can't give our best to the world if we don't have that best to give. Whether it's through her current role as the Director of Sustainability and Well-Being at Spring Architecture, her work as a Well-AP, or her work through Yoga by Design, her wellness community, Megan really is a testament to how we need to take the same care with ourselves as we want to take with our environment and with those who will live, work, and play in our spaces. The segment that you're going to hear today is part of my Wellness for the Working World series. And this is just a snippet from a whole hour-long interview that I did with Megan. Make sure you check it out on my website, architectingpodcast.com, under Programs. Or you can see the link in the show notes. There are five other recordings that are part of Wellness for the Working World. So you get all of those, plus I am going to be adding to them over time. So once you buy the program, you will keep getting updates to it. If you get Wellness for the Working World and hear the entire hour-long interview with Megan, you'll hear things like why climate change will be worse for women, why it's okay to wake up during the night, what's up with binaural beats, why you should put your phone in airplane mode during the night, and how to create a sleep sanctuary in your home. You definitely want to hear more from Megan, but in the meantime, I really hope that you enjoy this segment from our Wellness for the Working World interview. Hi, Megan. Hi, how are you? It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about sleep. It's like my favorite topic. And and you are truly an expert. 
Megan, you've written the A&D Wellness Toolkit and the Sleep System, 28 Days to Better Sleep. So tell us about your path to producing each of those documents. While I was working as a journalist in the A&D industry, there came a point in my career where I was just so tired and I could not really get out of bed. I had a mystery illness for a year, and finally, I was diagnosed with uh, chronic Lyme's disease. And um, at that point, I had already become fascinated with architects and designers' abilities to really nudge people into healthy behaviors and well-being in the built environment. And then the other thing about my healing and the chronic Lyme disease is one of the things I thought that I had before. It was the second to last thing before I figured out what it was. It was I thought I had mold toxicity because a lot of the symptoms are are similar with inflammation and and mold is something that you know we talk about in the built environment. Then I needed to really train myself how to sleep in order to heal. So I just became an expert on anything that would help me to sleep. The other thing that I noticed was that other people around me in the design industry were participating in a culture of burnout and they were sleep deprived. And then I thought, well, that's ironic. I was like looking to them as these experts on creating well-being in the built environment for the end user, for the building occupant all this well AP stuff and fit well that I was learning. I'm like, wow, but wait a second. They're not embodying that with their own practices of being sleep deprived and working ad nauseum. So I was like, I think I need to write an AD wellness toolkit for the design industry to practice what they're delivering for the end user. And so that is how the AD Wellness Toolkit was born. And that is how the A&D Toolkit for Daily Creative Renewal was born. One of the elements of the A&D Toolkit for Daily Creative Renewal is sleep because sleep actually affects our ability to learn, problem solve, and be creative. So I like to teach sleep for creativity. Alongside sleep, I teach mindfulness, meditation, movement, nutrition, hydration to really round that out. So that was pre-pandemic. During the pandemic, nobody could sleep, even though we we had time. (laughs) So I thought, why don't I take what I've taught about sleep and what I know about sleep and expand on that and write a book about how to sleep better. And I have to credit Aisha Bursal, a Turkish designer, um, her design process that I read about in a book called Design the Life You Love and her process of deconstruction, reconstruction, because I applied that to create the sleep system. It is a pragmatic guide to designing the sleep that you love, and it deconstructs unhealthy sleep habits and reconstructs a healthy sleep hygiene. And it is a workbook. So it's an engaging process. Everybody's sleep system will be unique in the end. So that's kind of how that came into being. 
where our best teacher's experience is our best taskmaster. And you had no choice but to say, how do I get the best rest? What did you learn about, one, why sleep is so critical to healing, creativity, stress relief, and what is important to have in place? I learned that sleep is the number one predictor of health outcomes, not just physical health outcomes, but mental health outcomes. Wow. And on top of that, the World Health Organization has declared sleep deprivation an epidemic in industrialized countries. And so I'm like, this is why we're having such poor health outcomes in the richest country in the world is because we're all sleep deprived. I learned that it wasn't only me, somebody with a chronic illness that needed to get enough sleep. It's everybody. And it's the cause of a lot of inflammation, anxiety, obesity. And what happens when you sleep besides being creative and taking all of your short-term memory, it's like disc defrag and putting it into long-term memory. And then it mixes with everything you've already known your whole life. So you can problem solve in your sleep. And then also your brain cells shrink so that the glymphatic fluid can go into your brain, like washing the hallways of your brain of plaque and neurotoxins and deposits that are associated with Alzheimer's mm. and other poor health outcomes. Also, when you're in the, the deep restorative sleep, it tells your nervous system to relax and reset. So if you don't get to that point of restorative sleep, you will suffer from anxiety because oh. your nervous system's never getting a break. Dr. Ellen Vora, who is a Yale-educated psychiatrist, psychologist, and also a board-certified functional medicine practitioner, she treats a lot of her patients' anxiety with a prescription for getting adequate sleep. I'm sitting here and a lot of these statistics I've heard you say, and I still, no matter how many times you say it, it never ceases to shock me because we think, well, I'm all right. I can kind of push through, but we really can't. There are long-term really harmful effects. So if someone wants to turn that around though, a lot of times it's not as easy as saying, all right, well, I'm just going to go to bed at a decent hour and get eight hours. What does it really take? It does take designing a healthy sleep hygiene and really holding boundaries around sleep. I suggest people, if they want to find their optimal sleep zone, find a time where it only takes about 20 minutes to go to sleep. So when you're feeling sleepy and then don't wake up with an alarm and just sleep until you naturally wake up feeling restored and see what time that is and how long that is. And then you can kind of figure out your chronotype and your sleep zone. There's so many other habits that you can put in place during the day. First thing when you get up in the morning, get bright sunlight outside, walk outside. Sometimes when doctors are treating sleep, they'll say, get a dog <laughs> because then you have to go outside first thing in the morning to let the dog out. At night, I would say lower the temperature of your bedroom 
65 degrees. I talk a lot to, to designers and I say, can you put the bedroom on a separate thermostat? Because that's so important. Uh, the temperature of your body is actually more important than light or dark. Oh, wow. That's why I mentioned that before blackout shades or an eye mask. Once you find your sleep zone, your sweet spot, go to bed at the same time every night and wake up at the same time every morning, even on weekends, that will really set you up for sleep success. And if you still think like, oh, I'm not sleeping through the night, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, like I must have a sleep deficit, napping is not out of the question. It may not be like a long-term solution because the luxury of a nap is, I think, rare in most of our modern lives. But yeah, a 26-minute nap, I call that like the NASA nap. It's enough to increase task proficiency by 35% and enough to increase alertness by 50%. And then recent research out of the Saron in Paris has shown that a 30-minute nap, just four minutes longer, will restore your bioendocrine markers to somebody who has gotten a full night's rest. Wow. So does this mean that we should nap or should try to nap or only nap if we feel we didn't get enough sleep the night before? A nap is always fine. If you feel tired, listen to your body. I wouldn't make a habit of it unless it's something that you could support in your daily routines because simply resting twice a day for 10 minutes is part of a lifestyle that can contribute to healthy gene expression, reducing your bio age, being more resilient. If you can work that into your lifestyle, go for it. How many hours you need is individual. So some of us may need nine, some of us may be fine with five. And you just have to see how you feel by allowing yourself to sleep till you wake up. Yeah. And genetically, as you know, animals, human beings, whatever, homo sapiens, we need seven and a half to nine hours of sleep. Pretty much that's the bare minimum is seven and a half. It's rare that that you can actually be fully restored with any less than that. So shoot for at least seven and a half and find the time where you're you can go to sleep sleepy and then just try to stay asleep until seven and a half hours at least later. What really is that sleep deficit? So let's say I should get eight, but I only got five. So now I have a deficit of three, but I can't sleep for three hours in the middle of the day. So how can we ever really pay that back? You don't have to, you can just take a 30 minute nap and restore your bioendocrine markers back to someone who has gotten a full night's sleep. Okay. So it's um, not a one-to-one -one accounting. No, I, I mean, you shouldn't make a habit of doing that. And if you do have a trouble staying asleep for longer than five hours and then you're up, you might try to ask your naturopath about supplements like inositol, which is recommended by my DO, doctor of osteopathy. So there's, there's some other solutions, but you shouldn't be running on a consistently on a deficit. You should definitely find a solution to be able to get that full sleep architecture. 
So I heard you say, make sure you have a good sleep hygiene. Can you unpack that a little bit? Absolutely. So like I said, sleep hygiene, it starts as soon as you wake up. So get outside and get that bright light in your eyes and it will start your circadian clock throughout the day. Obviously limit caffeine in the second half of the day. When the sun starts to set, dim your lights to 50%. If all your lights are not on a dimmer, turn off half the lights in the house. And then another good routine or habit is to limit screen time about an hour before you're intending to go to bed. And that's for two things. One, you don't want that green, blue light to stimulate your body and not let you produce melatonin to go to sleep. And then also you don't want to create an arousal response in terms of like emotional, like depending on what you are consuming media wise, whether it's happy, sad, you know, just agitating in general and really, yeah, carve out time for that evening sleep hygiene. One of the things that I like to recommend is things that stimulate your senses using the five senses to let your body know that it's time to downshift and wind down. So one of the things I highly recommend is making a bedtime tea, which is just herbal tea. Usually it's a chamomile blend with some mint. And then speaking of mint, spearmint is the soothing, calming mint. If you could pick out a different toothpaste that's not peppermint at night, that would be best because when you're brushing your teeth, you're actually creating a, a stimulating wake waking response. So save the peppermint for the morning and choose something else at night. So that's one of the other sleep hygienes that I find very helpful. Another sense that you can use is your sense of smell. So you can diffuse essential oils or some of the essential oils are not caustic and you can put them directly on your skin. For instance, lavender is always calming and sleep inducing. Orange is the only one of the citrus scents that is a calming sleep inducing one and you would want to diffuse that. Also be careful if you have cats in the house. Um, sometimes the cats and the essential oils don't mix. And then another one that's really calming and soothing is cedar wood. So that's a grounding, earthy kind of smell. So depending on what your preference is, but when you do that routinely, your brain will associate that with sleepy time, bedtime. It's also a good idea to go to bed hydrated. So the tea is, is hydrating you so your body can do its thing while you're sleeping. I even recommend maybe a little bit of yoga, a little bit of forward folding or twisting because that also induces the relaxation response. And really it's not stretching. Um, it's just getting your brain below your heart. You can do a forward fold seated or you can do one standing. And like I said, it's not a stretch, so you don't have to keep your legs straight. You can keep a soft bend in your knees. 
And again, if you are unsteady on your feet, you can always do a seated forward fold. And that should also help the body and the brain and the nervous system downregulate. So you're more ready for, for sleep. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Because I think we hear this term sleep hygiene, but people don't necessarily understand what it means. So those are all really great suggestions and you build them into a routine that you do every night. Now, I seldom have trouble falling asleep, but there are mornings I wake up and I feel like a truck hit me, like I didn't even sleep. So what's up with that? You got to get to an underlying root cause. And for me, it was the chronic Lyme disease. I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew that I was so tired, no matter how much sleep I got, I never felt like I could get out of bed. So unfortunately, that's something that you would have to look deeper into. I know a lot of people suffer from sleep apnea. That could also be a cause you stop breathing during the night and then your body wakes you up and that destroys your sleep architecture. So you're never reaching that deep restorative sleep where all of the repairs and the nervous system gets the message that it's okay to relax. So that is a common cause. There's only five major sleep disorders. And then everything else could be just an underlying illness, virus, chronic something. So I would just get basic blood work done. Talk to your doctor about sleep. Unfortunately, most physicians are only trained one hour of conventional medical school is spent about talking about sleep. You have to kind of educate yourself to even know what to ask for then. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or to connect the dots. I, I just keep learning more and more. So what do you wish people understood about sleep that are just not talked about enough? That sleep is related to hormones and hormones mm. control how our body works, especially human growth hormone, which is keeping us young and flexible and pliable and vibrant. That's, I think, what a lot of people are not connecting the dots is between sleep and hormones and hormones and, and health outcomes, and then also sleep and anxiety, mental health outcomes. Not a lot of people are talking about that and, and realizing that and respecting it. The other thing is alcohol. Sedation is not sleep, and alcohol destroys your sleep architecture. And just in general, it's best to have zero alcohol. It's not a big deal if occasionally you have sake with your sushi or you have, you know, a glass of wine with your pasta, but generally you should not be falling asleep with alcohol. Um, and a, a lot of people don't know that that is not restorative sleep. Yeah, that when, when they just try to numb out so they can relax enough to fall asleep, they're actually doing more harm than good. So yeah. rather than numb out, they should try the sleep hygiene and just have new habits to calm themselves down. Absolutely. There's a few things like um, 
there's this company called Soul Drops. They make a tincture for bedtime. There is a company called uh, Rescue Remedy. They make a naturopathic herbal tincture for bedtime as well. But I think that chamomile tea or an herbal bedtime tea blend is a strong enough herbal tincture. But if not, you can experiment with some other natural uh, remedies that will work differently for everyone. I, I love all these things that you shared and how sleep isn't what we think it is. It's actually a reset more than it is a rest. When we don't reset our body, toxins are building up both neurologically that affect our mental health and physically. What if you have a sleep partner who snores or is restless and that's affecting your sleep? Um, I Hopefully you could also share all these great tips, but um, aside from going somewhere else to sleep, are there anything else that you could do so your partner isn't keeping you up? Earplugs. I did recommend that in my book. <laughs> Um, because you do need the acoustic signature of your room to be silent, you know, and a lot of people like a sound machine. I don't recommend it in, in my book, but if it works for you and it helps drown out the noise of your snoring partner or their CPAP machine or, you know, whatever, then fine. Use the noise machine, noise maker, whatever. But really, I would use earplugs. There are not just like the industrial ones that you get before you go into the manufacturing floor or board a Cessna. You can get some really, really nice, sophisticated earplugs that are designed for the shape and the size of your own ear. These were amazing tips. And it, it really is about, like you said, the quality of sleep you get starts the moment you wake up. And it's your habits throughout the day. It's having that good sleep hygiene. It's being dressed appropriately for bed, having your room at the right temperature, the right sound, so you get that quality of sleep. If someone wants to work with you or wants to learn more about what you offer, how can they get in touch with you? I have a website. It's yogaxdesign.com, and that will show all of the sleep coaching options. And it also has a uh, Calendly link that people can schedule time with me. And I'm also on Facebook at Yoga X Design, and they can contact me through email, Facebook Messenger, or they can just email me, which is yogaxdesign at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Also been offering some wellness programs and you your book is about to come out. So where will the book be available? So the book will be available from me and it will also be available on my website. And then it will also be available through Kindle Publishing for Amazon. So it will be available on Amazon. 
the wellness offering that I have happening, um, which is, it's, a, it's an amazing community. It's called Wellbeing by Design Virtual Women's Vitality Circle. We meet on Zoom and the topics are sleep, nutrition, movement, hormones, rest and mindset. We had pleasure and next month we are going to go over environmental toxins to create a toxin-free home for healthy hormones because we know a lot of the red list things are endocrine disruptors and that's affecting longevity, health span, and health outcomes. So what we're trying to do by sleeping more is really to lengthen that health span and reduce health burdens, right? So you want to live without being without having a chronic illness for the last 20 years of your life. And right now, that's typically what people are experiencing in their lifespan. You want to get sleep now and backcast from the time that you're 100 and say, what do I want to do from the time I'm 80 to the time I'm 100? What do I want to be able to do? You want to put in the boundaries around your health now so you can do more until end of life. So that's what well-being by design community is about. It's about women holding boundaries around sleep and other healthy habits. And then the whole movement around sleep is really just to make the world a better place with healthier, happier, less anxious, kinder people. (laughs) That's a huge advocacy role and it is so needed. And I love your story, how you went from I was sick. I didn't know what was causing it. I could barely get out of bed. I had to self-diagnose and research my way to wellness. But now I want to share this because I don't want other people to suffer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's very meaningful and very rewarding. I hope that everybody listening has been getting lots of good ideas and information. Again, any women who would like to join Wellbeing by Design, just ping me on Facebook or email and I will include you in next month's circle. Oh, that's so generous that you <laughs> offer this. And it, it really is a great discussion. I've I think I've only made it to one, but they are definitely worth it. And you learn so much. And I think the other really great thing you're doing from an advocacy perspective is building community, because it's one thing to say, I think I might have this problem and I'm going to learn about it, but you don't have any sense of how common is this? What have other people tried? So that community is such a vital part of healing. Yeah, we, we know from studying blue zones that really people with the best health outcomes and longevity and quality of life are those who are practicing well-being in community. So yeah, that is the idea around the community is that we will have better health outcomes just because of those relationships and that connection. That's so important. 
Yeah. So everyone make sure you go and join wellness by design and you will get alerts. So you'll know as these things come up, go to Megan's website, yoga by design, which is yoga X is the by, which you should know if you're in the AD community. <laughs> I, I love that little plan words. And you can get the A&D wellness toolkit right now and begin doing some work. And Megan will be announcing when her book comes out, but stay tuned. It is coming out soon and you will really get some amazing resources. Megan's been working on this for a long time, has done a lot of research and she's finishing up with her editor right now before they hit publish. But I, I am so excited to read this book as soon as it comes out. Thanks. Um, I'm really excited about it too. And I also just wanted to end us by looking to the future beyond the book. And that is, we are blowing up sleep to talk about designing cities for sleep at the Smart Cities Expo Miami, a conference that takes place in Miami in December at the James Alden Hayes Convention Center, December 12th, 13th, 14th. So yeah, come see us there and see sleep blown up on the macro level. And also coming out at the same time is going to be the from curtains to curtain wall, designing for sleep, CEU. Look for that in 2023. All right. So we will stay tuned to the Yoga by Design website and also on social media where you'll be making all these announcements. So I can't wait. I'm so excited for all this to hit. Thanks, Angela. Me too. Have a great rest of your day and evening. And everyone, I wish you a restorative sleep. you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. <music>